Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. What's going on, everyone? Thanks a lot for tuning in to another fine, fantabulous episode of Dr. Homebrew. It is the Mexican lager, basically two hours, because for the next two shows, we're going to be talking about Mexican lagers for the most part. It, today is the day that everybody's been waiting for, the final Dr. Hombre showdown. Uh, if you're not following along with us at home for some reason, I don't know why you wouldn't be, uh, we have brewed, the boys at Dr. Homebrew have brewed a Mexican lager. And this was a couple months ago, I think. And so it's like primed. It's ready to go. It has been, let me tell you, it has been hell for me <laughs> not to sit and drink this. I had to take it off tap. And I'm not, I'm not like a big drinker by any means anymore, but I was ripping through it pretty good. It's very, very easy to drink. That's good. Yeah, I like it's like, oh, man, OK, here we go. And then, uh, you know, I brewed a brown ale and I'm drinking that instead. And so now it's it's nice to be able to go back to the Mexican lager and be like, okay, this is, this is what I need. This is what I would like. This is what I would enjoy. And it's fun to like drink it because this beer, it, it, it's changed since I got it in the keg. And I'll, we'll talk about it a bit later, but in front of me, I have four beers. I know technically we have three, but Brian Cooper went above and beyond. He got extra credit and he dry hopped them. Um, and we're going to do a blind tasting. Shar, were you able to set that up? I was no. Okay. That's not. fine. That's fine. Don't worry about it. It was a last minute, uh, last minute thing, Arena. So it's not a big deal. But Cooper and I, uh, they're all labeled. They're in front of us. I don't know whose is whose. Uh, I guess Coop, let's just go through them and drink them. Or what? What should we do? Is that yeah, how you want us to let do, me. That um, do it. My volunteer is absent, so I have to pour these and kind of shuffle them myself. Here. Oh, okay. Well, that's but you can I can do, do this. You can I'm do really... that. And I can talk about our fine sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. You guys go to fivestarchemicals.com right now. And learn about everything you can do to make great homebrew at home, which is a, a lot of it. 60% of it probably is cleaning and sanitizing. Maybe not 60, but definitely 50. Cleaning and sanitizing, that's the way to do it. If you want to make high quality beer, if you want to be entering competitions, if you want to get great feedback, you don't want to give judges beer that's been contaminated by um, a dirty spigot on your fermenter or your bottling bucket, or you didn't clean your wand out, or if you use a bottling wand, you haven't, you haven't taken off the little little nozzle at the bottom and taking the, the spring out and cleaned all that out. You haven't, if you, if you haven't done that, you're sort of wasting your time and effort bottling beer for competition. But if you want to learn how to do it, you clean and sanitize with five-star chemicals, star sand, PBW, all the other stuff that they have. They have PBW tablets. Now they have liquid PBW, all that kind of great stuff. So go over there, check it out. Fivestarchemicals.com. And then while you're over there, join their homebrew club program. You get free stuff. Uh, you get uh, monthly, you know, informational emails and stuff like that. And they don't spam you or whatever. So check that out too. Or you can just, <clears throat> excuse me, you can just go directly to uh, their website, which is fivestarchemicals.com slash homebrew hyphen club hyphen program. And they're the amazing, wonderful people who bring you this show and every month. Yeah. Mills is in the chat. Yeah, bro. You have to clean that, man. Come on. The first uh, gusher I had to deal with on this show ever is mine. <laughs> oh man that sucks oh man that, that that's good podcasting though sure yeah i guess i don't know whatever uh anyway lads what's going on you guys excited for this as i am or what 
Let me tell you how excited I am for this. <laughs> I want you to taste my dry hopped Mexican lager and tell tell me, is it the best dry hopped Mexican lager you've ever tasted? Because I, I don't know. I don't know. I've I've had too many dry hopped Mexican lagers. I know. Maybe it's just something you shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, I guess. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna start with okay. A here. It's a nice color. You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty light. Nice little carbonation going on. God, what if I pick my beer as last? That would be awesome. Okay. Wonder if it's mine. <laughs> B B is very light. My B is very light. Look at these two beers. Hmm. Couple SRM different, but this one is it's almost looks like cider. So one of you guys did a great job. Kind of smells like cider. Hmm. Hmm. That's very dry. Kind of tart almost, maybe. Not tart. Tangy. Um Chris, probably mineral is what I would guess, like a pH thing, but I don't know. Uh, C, I bet I picked out the uh, dry hopped Mexican lager because it, it smells like <laughs> Flintstones vitamins. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> that, it's a, that is a cold IPA. Is it a little too much? Uh, did, we, did we go a little too crazy there? Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to this cold IPA I'm hearing about. And D is. Um, mm-hmm. God, you know, D is interesting. It's um, there's a little, there's actually a lot of butterscotch in there, hmm. but it's not awful. I think with all, with like the recipe with everything else that's in that beer, it's not awful. Pretty, it's I wouldn't call it good. It's uh, flawed, but like the flavors are are good. And the carbonation's great. This is the best carbonation of them all. Kind of wild. All right. Okay. Well, I have a. I have successfully randomized my beers by just shuffling them in front of myself. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, there's one minor problem. I did pour them all for myself and I tried not to note any appearance differences, but um, there may be a, some slight bias in here. You know what? We are not scientists. Don't worry about it, bro. Yeah. You're good. Um, okay. So I'm going to go. And you okay. were the one who wanted to do this. I did. And then now, <laughs> and then I'm the only one who had an assistant. Well, yeah. <laughs> my kids my kids at swimming lesson what are you gonna do oh, okay yeah what are you gonna do it, it's it's been a long long day and it just wasn't gonna happen tonight yeah understandable all right okay yeah this first one smells um really clean really nice little corn it's um fairly clear oh it's got a nice little edge to it it's got a nice little it's dryness and it just it's refreshing it goes off the tongue um nice and cleanly lagered a little hop that comes up to meet the malt, a little floral and and uh, spicy. I like that one. It's a contender. Okay, the second beer in my lineup. Wow, this one is light. It's lighter aroma than I think the the first one that I'm tasting here, but it's still got a clean little graininess, light overall, faint corn, very faint floral hop. Okay, that's light and refreshing. It's it's got a little more sweetness in the mid palate, I think. It's got a little smoother feeling to it than uh, than the first one, which had more of an edge from kind of a bitterness, like more of a chalky kind of impression. Mm. And um, yeah, this one's really smooth. Like oh, you yeah. could drink a lot of that. You seem surprised. I don't know. <laughs> okay. This one, I'm getting a faint touch of diacetyl in it. It's a little bit hazy. Got a little bit of a bitter edge. This one's hoppier than I think a Mexican lager should go to. I mean, the hops can come up. It should be fairly even between hops and malt. Sometimes it can lean towards the malt. Very occasionally it might lean a little bit toward the hop, but 
this one's got quite a bit of hop in it and I don't dislike it. I don't have the dry hopped one in my mix either. So this is just the first three, not the dry hopped unless somehow somebody slipped me one, but <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking um, that one too. Cause it's the only one that, that I have the, the flavors okay. of, and it is, I, I like the bitterness. It, I think yeah. that's what, that's what makes it still consumable, I guess, with that, with that butterscotch, you know, platform in there. The malt tastes good and the hops are, it's very bitter, not very bitter, but very firm mm-hmm. bitterness. Yeah. Almost so like a German pills bitter. Maybe edgy. A little bit more. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and as I retaste this first one, it was the first beer I drank. It's, it comes across even a, a little smoother than when I first sipped it because sometimes that, you know, get a more bite in the first beer you, you judge out of a series. But it's still got that little chalky watery impression, but it's not watery. It's It's very flavorful. So let's see. I think for me, it's between the first two that I'm tasting here. I think number the second one in the in the series there is maybe even a little bit too smooth. It's you know it should um, in the flavor it should be you know have a medium low to medium bitterness with a crisp dry well attenuated finish. I'd say the number one is probably more a little better attenuated, and the second one has a little more sweetness to it. So it's playing more like maybe a a light you know I don't know Hellas with a little touch of corn in it or something. You know it's just like or like um. Yeah, I don't know, but I think I like the the first sample better, and uh, and then the second one, then the third one here. So I'll just go with that. Okay. The problem I is I have to go. Yeah. I have to go r- pop out to the garage or to the to the kitchen. What they are. Talk among okay. All right. We'll we'll, we'll talk among ourselves. So Coop, did you have any of these that you thought were like like really cloudy or or not as clear as the others? Yes, uh, one of them is cloudier than the others. Yeah. This is the, okay. the third third one in the bat in the mix. So one of these things is not like the others. They would say on Sesame Street. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, when I was five, it was like nineteen seventy to seventy one. That was my favorite thing on Sesame Street. It probably still is. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, yeah. So a for me, a was my beer. Okay. B was Brian Cooper's. C was Brian's dry hop and D was Brian Shars. And I went out to okay. look at the um the bottle, uh, you know, to the my wife left them out on the counter and yeah, you were right, Char. There, there's some like cakey foam that's just dripped out. I was like, oh man. Okay. So, oh, I, I have a story for you boys later. Okay. All right. Okay. Keep so me, Cooper. Yeah, I line mine up uh, the the one with the number. Uh, three on the glass was uh, JP beer, and that's that is the one that I I rated the highest. Yeah, uh, number one was Cooper beer, and uh, number two, who does number two work for? That's sure. Brian Sharp. Uh, I'm number two. I'm number two. <laughs> so yeah, as far as like what I liked better, um, I yeah I don't know. I think my beer, but it's interesting because drinking out of you know the. 10 ounce festival glass that we always that I always drink out of at least. And then out of this nonic, like 16 ounce or 20 ounce order, they taste different. Yeah, I, I believe you. We've talked about this on the show yeah, before. Yeah. Out of this nonic glass, I get more corn. And out of this, I it was tasting kind of thin. Out of the small glass, it was it was thinner. Same beer? Same exact beer. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, right? Like that is so I, and I used to just who who the glass design means a thing, but it does. It really, really matters, especially I think with lighter flavors yeah. like this. 
but it's I don't it know, really I does. Weird. I, I'm not sure if anyone that's an area of research that I think would be really hard to do, but could really would really be useful. So I'm not sure if anybody really knows why. Like there's momalies about, oh, this you, you want to have this shape for this purpose. I, I, I'm not sure anyone knows that. You know what? There is. I think Rydell, the gla- mm-hmm. the German glassmaker. I think yeah. there's a lot of research on it. And I, I, okay. I'm gonna I want to talk to a couple people that I know and see if we can talk to someone about that. You know, obviously someone in the states maybe, but yeah, that that'd be super great. Fascinating. Yeah, I mean, especially for like a homebrew thing too. Like it would be, I don't know. Maybe that changes the the face of judging. You know, or instead uh, of it's these solo <laughs> cups, it, you know, you can't yeah. really. It's the same shape as like a judging cup, but what we really should do is to design and market a Dr. Homebrew designed glass. Like our perfect glass. The supernonic. The eight people who listen to the show will be right. And that's that's the other thing, right? Um, No, we have 10. I'm kidding. Um, I feel like every glass shape has been done already. Like, what are you going to do that's different than like, because I can go in my, in my cabinet right now and pull out 10 glasses that are literally different shapes, but just for like festivals and stuff like that. I feel like everything's been done, you know? We ask AI. Oh yeah. (laughs) Chat GPT, which of, which of my glasses would work? We do a mid journey of a, uh, of a glass. Yeah. Why not, man? Speaking of mid journeys, um, let's take a break real fast. We're going to come back and we'll figure out what we're doing next. So hang on, everyone. It's Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. What's up, homebrewers? Hey, let me ask you a question. You spend a lot of time making your beer taste the way you want it to, right? Some of you even send beers into Dr. Homebrew for feedback. Well, the next logical step in your creativity is to craft some labels for those beers. And there's nobody better at creative labels than Grogtag. Their easy-to-use designs let you turn out some pretty amazing stuff like labels, bottle caps, coasters, even six-pack carriers with minimal effort on your part. They have a range of label sizes that fit any vessel you can think of. Bottles, cans, growlers, kegs. Grogtag has you covered. Head over to grogtag.com today and check out their line of amazing, fully customizable templates and get your beer looking its best. Grogtags are water-resistant, reusable, and will have your naked bottles looking great in no time. That's grogtag.com and be sure to use code BNARMY at checkout to save 10% on your order. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are back. Cooper and I ran through. We picked our favorite beer, which was mine. I think we can both agree. Um, Brian Shaw, what was your favorite? Now that you know who's who's, whatever, you know. You know, it, it's difficult to tell. I'm. Mm. It's not mine. <laughs> but I, I would say that, that, well, that, that's, that part's not hard. Uh, right. My favorite's not mine. mine. Mine's my least favorite. Uh, I, JP, I like yours. I think it's good. I, I love the... Uh, the assertive hopping in this. I don't think it's excessive. It's not a cold IPA, but I, I think it, it's good. There, there's something at the flavor at the very beginning that I don't like. Fuck you too. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure what it, but it's, it, it's, it's probably my perception. It could be what I, overall, I, I think this is, it's a really good beer. Let me I guess think what that, it is. Let me guess what it is. I mean, is it like a sharpness? No, it's like a, like a malt. 
or like mm. maybe like a, a malt type a malt related character, like maybe um maybe an adjunct. There's just something something on I mean, the malty side. We did the same. It's the we same. all use same malts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I, I know we all use the same malts. So maybe it's maybe it was something that was in the growler, you know, that that can happen. Uh, but I mean it's it's not bad. I, I like it a lot. Okay. Cooper's, I think, is more you know, international pale lager. Yours has more character. And in in some ways, I'm not sure that character is what you want from an international pale lager slash Mexican lager. But I think you need to have something there that gives it a Mexican lager character. Otherwise, it's just international pale lager. And there's a thousand of those out there. So I would, JP, I'd say I probably you, you, you probably edge out Cooper just a little bit. Yes, I edged Cooper, you guys. Uh, <laughs> you heard that? <laughs> and the edging king, man. That's how it goes. Yeah, that's so weird. I mean, yeah, the difference is between these beers, which is why we did it. And I really want to talk to you, Shar, about your brew day because you did it on a stove <laughs> and you still made in what I think is, is still a very drinkable beer. If we could have got rid of that butterscotch. Yeah. Then the only fault would be like, eh, maybe it's a little too bitter, but it tastes great. The carbonation is is rock solid. But just in case well, anybody you. forgot, uh, here's the recipe again. It's this is for five uh, five gallons. It's four pounds, fourteen ounces of Great Western two row. I think is what we no we used Viking. I don't know. Viking. Yes, the Vi- the Viking Viking pale malt. Uh, one pound. One pound ten light. I think. Extra, yeah, the extra, extra light. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, one pound ten ounces of flaked corn. One pound ten ounces of two row Pilsner two row German. Uh, three ounces of Vienna malt, and then it's uh Magnum at sixty, which is point three seven ounces. Um, Spalt at five, which is point three seven ounces, and then Tetanang at five as well at point three seven ounces. Yeah. So, and I use for yeast, I used the um the cellar craft, I think is the name, the dry yeast, and I I I think it tastes great. And I'm all aboard with dry yeast now, man. Like I used uh, nice. this, the same the cellar uh, cellar craft or whatever it is for the brown ale I made. I think it was rocking. I have not had yeah. without doing starters. I just sprinkle it on the top and then just mm-hmm. let it go. I, I don't touch it. And uh, you know, I shake it whenever, like the next day. Um, but I've aside from making starters when I used to make starters, I've never had fermentation start this quickly, like ever. And I use I do two packs yeah. or five gallons. It's one of the virtues of dry yeast, right? Because yeah. you're making a lager or you're making a high gravity ale, something you want to have a pitch a lot of yeast for. It could get expensive to do that for liquid yeast, or you end up doing the thing where you make a five gallon starter, but where you make like a 5% beer and then you pitch your, your word yeah, on I'm not top of that. To do that dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we've all done it. And you know, it's, it, if you, if you are good with sanitation, it's not going to hurt you, but it does introduce that delay into your brewing sometimes because like you need to brew a beer before you can brew. It's like that. You have to smoke two joints before you smoke two joints. That's right. And then you smoke two more. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you ever start? Because you always have to smoke two before you can smoke two. I maybe don't know that, how you get started with that. Maybe that's the conundrum. Maybe I, that's, it is. I think it's just heroin logic. That's all. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I, I think that the dry yeast is a great choice for, for yeast or for, for loggers or for, for high gravity ales. Probably yeah. a great choice for other things too. Yeah, I talked to, I didn't talk to, I uh, I just edited the uh, Bruce Strong episode where Jamil spoke with a guy from Lalmond about a lot of dry mm-hmm. yeast stuff and whatever. 
it was cool. And they were talking a lot about how far dry yeast has come. And, you know, Laomon's yeah. really been like sort of pushing that yeah. uh, technology. And, and you know, now you can make it do different things. Like, yeah. 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 I'm, 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 and it was That's like four job. bucks for a packet. Yep. And what was yeah. the, uh, the style that you used? Oh, fart, dude. I don't remember. Was it just a German lager or? It might have been. Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah, for the brown, I just use like the American or whatever, but um, I think it was a lager. Yeah, I think it was like a German lager. Yours was, um, yeah, what was it? The, yeah, what yeast brand? Do you remember? It was the. Well, it's, I think it was like Cellar Tracker, or Cellar Maker. No. Cellar uh, Science. There you go. Yeah. That sounds right. Char used the Weinstefaner strain, right? No, I, I used the uh, White Labs Mexican lager yeast. I think it was the 970. Yeah, the 940. Oh. WLP 940. Okay. I, I only brewed like two gallons, so I just pitched it straight into the uh, uh, the fermenter, which for me was just a corny keg. Okay, cool. It, it had an orange thing on it. I'm sure you can't see that. It was like an orange <laughs> orange packet for JP, right? Uh, German. <laughs> I think so. I think that's what yeah. it was, yeah. And for mine, mine wasn't a lager at all. I used the, the Lutra yeast, the Omega Kvike. Yeah, that's right. So it's not a lager. It, it was fermented at 78 degrees and it fermented yeah. in like a day and a half. If that it takes, yeah, I can, there's fruit. Now that you say Kvike. Yeah. Now that you say Kvike, I can't, I can't untaste it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely get a little. Oh, we lost. You're, you're, you're muted or something now. Lost Brian. the sound. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Mad. Maybe you kicked something. Maybe you kicked the power cable with your big old feet, Brian. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's, um, yeah, I get like a cherry, like as it's like warming up, it's flat, basically. Sort of like a cherry skin or like a grape, like a red grape skin. There's a little sweetness in there, but it did finish yeah. higher. It finished at about 1014. And it, like it, it. it only started, you know, at 1039 because I had some little problems on my brew day. Um, the the Pico brew that I used kind of stopped because the sensor got too hot. It needed a another clean I, I just didn't have time to do the two and a half hour clean cycle before i ran this so yeah dude uh, sure. but it, it wasn't time for a clean but I, I should clean it more often than i do and uh yeah so it went you know it started at 10 39 i'm like oh damn i'm not gonna make four percent but it came up to just four percent so it's on the lighter side you know okay. finishing at 10 14 it's you know and that's perfectly fine i'm happy that it came to that and you know made it to that level of of uh, attenuation. I wish it had attenuated just a little bit more, but then I worry that it might have been too light and almost like a light lager. So I'm kind of happy with it, the way it landed. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's um, yeah, it doesn't taste like a Mexican lager. That's for sure. It does have that. I mean, it's got. It's very similar to, to yours. I think that there might just be a water difference. I, I probably used, but lately yeah. when I've been brewing, I use a mix of um, I spring. Say they're similar. <laughs> spring water with uh, distilled. And I kind of lighten oh. up the the minerals in the spring water. Um, uh, I'd have to <clears throat> go back to my physical paper notes that I did when I made the batch. But, <laughs> uh, Old school, man. Yeah, yeah, I had I had some some interesting things during brew day. I'm still trying to dial in the system. I sort of am realizing that you know I'm kegging probably four and a half gallons or so, maybe four sometimes. So this is the time, of course, when I tried to you know have this mean something. Um, that I decided to fuck around with, uh, you know, volume and whatever. So I tried to like really measure my volume. And I think 
my refractometer is sort of wonky where there's no cover for the lens or whatever. So I had to like take a piece of plastic and like try to smash it down to, to simulate that to like get the, the sample to smash against the whatever. And um, it kept reading really low. It kept reading low. And I was like, well, what the fuck? So now I have to add some DME to like get it up. Yeah. So I added some DME. Well, and then it was too high. I'm like, well, okay. Jesus Christ, dude. So then I had to add some water and it was a whole thing. So like it's a balancing it, act. Yeah. yeah, It was a balancing. And then I said, you know what? I don't care anymore. Like I started, I've been realizing doing the like brewing uh, with the, the, the Bruzilla is um, I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like, going to really, make beer. It's going to make beer. I, I'm trying not to stress out about it. Like I used to really stress out about how the beer is going to come out. And maybe it was a pride issue, or maybe it's because uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe a competitive thing with the other people on like the session, or just at work, or whatever. And I'm realizing like I I, I don't care. And the Robo mm-hmm. Brew is great for that okay. because you well, can sit there and not care. Give it. Give us some. Give us some notes, Brian. What did you What did you decide from these beers? Let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah, so I judged uh, Brian's uh, first. I judged his uh, last night. He gave me two bomber bottles, but I didn't want to judge yours yet because um, it was in one big gra- uh, growlette, and I didn't want to. Ooh, a growlette. You know, okay, like a, <laughs> well, right. a, a clean canteen, like a half growler thing. Don't don't feminize me. Come on. Yeah. So um, I judged Brian's first uh, okay. last yeah, night. Sense. Yeah, and then um, here we go. So. It um, had a nice, nice hiss upon opening. Seemed seemed to be well packaged and carbonated. You saw that little CO two plume rise up out of it. Oh, nice! Um, and in the nose, I got a pleasant, clean, uh, low maltiness with a touch of corn like. It seems cleanly lagered, but it just has a faint whiff of diacetyl, and it's really not much. It's coming in. And it's very delicate and and uh, low overall, so that diacetyl kind of stands out. But it's not a high level. Uh, no obvious esters here. It's not very sulfury. No DMS like or acetaldehyde character. The beer is yellow and lightly hazy. This is actually a little more hazy in on my sample. How dare you? Um, <laughs> the one that I just poured the second bottle, but uh, you know maybe it was the last. You know, last one I got shaken up or something. Who knows? You, you can have a bottle oh, variation. Shars. Oh, they're not mine. This is Shars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Mine's hazy too. But he had a lot of yeast in, in the bottom. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, kind of a nice, creamy looking head. Good texture. Uh, very fine bubbles, mainly. Yeah, um, he has the best carbonation out of all. Of the them. head persisted well. You know, it almost looks like a, a wheat beer <laughs> appearance. Flavor wise, it is. Has a low grainy aspect with a medium low hop bitterness coming up to meet that. Uh, accents the malt really well. But I wonder if it was maybe just a touch high. At least it was kind of unexpected for me to have that much hop in it. It's super- can, can you guys hear me? Hey! Yes. There's the boy. I, I, I got a new laptop and for as much money as it costs, it's a colossal piece of shit. And <laughs> this is just what happens. Okay. Oh, I'm going through your, uh, your score sheet now. So yeah, and the flavor again continued. Uh, had a little unexpectedly high hop, but um, you know it was actually okay. It's not crazy, but it's a little bit high, and it's kind of herbal and and floral, a little spice. But yeah, it wasn't getting any serious buttery note in the flavor. I think maybe the hops and and the malt 
the corn like part and all everything else that's in there kind of covered that up a bit. Um, the beer seems quite dry and well attenuated. You know, the the bitterness seems just a little bit rough and it does linger a bit in the aftertaste. But yeah, that that again, that diacetyl that was there in the nose has to be very, very faint. So I'm hardly getting it in the flavor or the mouthfeel for that matter. But yeah, the low corn is is there, but it's a little bit masked by the, you know, the more flavorful flavorful aspects of this beer. 14 out of 20 for flavor. I get a two out of three for appearance because the haziness and eight out of 12 for aroma. Um, medium light body and the mouthfeel. It's pretty much to style. Uh, medium high carbonation. This can be a fairly carbonated beer, so that's fine. That's probably the best carbonated of the three. Uh, has a hint of a bite, possibly combining that uh, carbonic with a little the. You know, the bitterness from the flavor kind of combining with that carbonic bite to make it just a little bit more biting than than some. No warmth, really, or any creaminess. Uh, not It's not astringent, so it's pretty okay in the mouthfeel overall. In the overall impression, I, I would say it's a clean drinking Mexican lager. It has a light, bitter edge, uh, but it's still quite well lagered and drinkable. Um, I'd like the corn to come through just a little bit more. And uh, but it's really well packaged. There's no real oxidation noticed here. It's nicely carbonated. Kept that in the bomber bottle. Uh, so well done there. I would just I would back off the the bittering hops and do a little bit longer uh, diacetyl rests in there. There's something that's just from early fermentation that that stuck around in there. But you know the minor defect that's in it is very very light. So I knocked it down into you know very good uh, territory. Generally within stock parameters, some minor flaws. So, and the, it's just the haze. You could clarify it a little better, fix the diacetyl, back off the, um, the hops a little bit in there, or work with the, the way they play that with them, put them a little later in the boil. Um, so yeah, 35 for, for Brian's. What do you have any notes on wow, that? The, I'm, 35. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. Wow. Did you have any notes on it, uh, uh, JP? Or do you, do you disagree with, with the score? Maybe I was being a little nice because I was know it's Brian's beer. But. I think you were being nice, honestly. I don't think that would be a 35. I would say a 30. I mean, because there's wow. the, that diacetyl is a big flaw, but you said you didn't get it really. I got it in the nose, but less so, much less so in the flavor. So it was very, very faint mm. to me. Okay. But some, some people, yeah, get it even more than me. So, well, I've, I've discussed on the show mo- most of the time, numerous times, many times, that I'm what you call a super taster. <laughs> so I know about all the tasting things. I'm a good taster, okay? I can taste. I'm the best taster. Some would say, some would say, I'm the best taster, okay? Um, but yeah, I get it. I get it pretty a lot. I would say I would give like a thirty or thirty-two. I think we'd still be okay. within seven. I wouldn't go below that because okay. it's interesting. I think the if if that diacetyl wasn't there, I think the hops would be fucking wa- like way off in the left field. It'd be too hoppy. But that sweetness from that butterscotch like balances that out a little bit and it's not as bitter right I, I, I'm, I'm guessing um so it sort of plays with that but i would love to know how the hell he got this like so bitter when we all use the same exact shit yeah. <laughs> I, just, I would yeah. love to i gotta know i gotta know what this freak's fucking brew day was like well we talked about my brew day last time and it was i i exhaustively and it was I, I, we don't need to probably rehash that. Go back to the last episode and listen for an exhaustive description of my my brew day with my janky equipment that I kind of found around the house. Uh, yeah, what was it again? It was a it spaghetti was, pot. It was one spaghetti pot, and I had I had the uh, you know that strainer part you can kind of lift up and get the grain out of, and then I also used for actually I sparged quote unquote 
I had this big Le Creuset, like probably like a gallon and a half pot, like a like a Dutch oven thing. Mm-hmm. So I I sparged by lifting out that spaghetti strainer part, putting it in that Le Creuset part, and then pouring some sparge water onto that <laughs> to go into the. Hey, you know the fact Hell that yeah, I can dude. Make, the fact that I can make something that Cooper calls a thirty with just bullshit in my house. Oh, he called uh, it a thirty five. Well, yeah, 35 at first. This, <laughs> I came oh down to a 32 after JP made his okay. comments. About, well, there you go. Th- this, is, this is so much better than the courtesy 13 that my first beer I ever made in like 1993 would have been. Yeah. Uh, nobody ever scored it. If I went back in time, I'd probably slap myself and give myself a courtesy 13. I, mm. I wouldn't say go get a new hobby. I'd just say brew more. But yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's what happened. And I think that the, the hoppiness, I mean, it is hoppy. I, I'm drinking it here and it's, it's cloudy and it's hoppy. And the hoppiness comes from the fact that I had like a two gallon batch size. And in fact, I even had a, my, my, I, I never measured my volume. I suspect that my volume into the fermenter was less than I had thought it was going to be able to be anyway. So my, my back of the envelope kind of calculations for hops, I, I use way too many hops, even though I had very, <laughs> you guys saw it. I had very few Charges. hops in that little bag. Chargers live in life, man. <laughs> just fuck it. I'm just, I'm not measuring anything. I don't know, man. I'm just, whatever, dude. Hey, but you, you guys wanted to do this show and I had to brew something. So I'm just going to, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And you did. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the diacetyl rest. So uh, I brewed this in a cordy keg okay. and I had this, uh, uh, there's an old spunding valve that I got from more beer uh, that was, you know, it, it worked, it worked fine. And rather than using an airlock, I didn't, I'm not, I'm trying to not buy a lot of stuff because I want to start brewing again, but I don't want to buy a lot of stopgap stuff. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yes. If you're going to spend money, it's going to be shit that you're going to use, not like Band-Aid. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And we'll get to that some for the packaging part. So I go out. It's, we live in the East Bay. It gets hot out here. I mean, we all live. We It's in the summer. And we've had some days that are like 100. So I go out to check on this beer like two weeks after I ferment it. And it's, I don't know, it's nobody's fault. The electric outlet in the garage is a little loose and I have to kind of stretch the cord a little bit to plug it in. And I go to check it and it's unplugged. My fridge is probably like 80 plus degrees inside. So there's my diacetyl rest. It's been up to like 80. So Frankly, the fact this the fact this is drinkable. The fact I was expecting a courtesy thirteen from you guys. I had not tasted this. Uh, I'm thinking this is going to be horrible. I, but you know what? That was my diacetyl rest, and I still had some diacetyl, so that that happened. So I go to I go to to package, and something you know, you guys. I have a degree in aerospace engineering, so <laughs> I I have I have a mechanic at heart. I am a mechanical engineer before yeah. I was ever a lawyer. You yeah. think I would know that my auto siphon that's been sitting in my garage for years that I haven't used in six or seven years. You think I'd know the seals would be dry and non-functional. <laughs> so uh-huh. what, what I've, I, I got these bombers because I'm trying to you know, minimize stuff I'm doing. I got a few bottle caps. These are the, the 22 ounce bomber bottles. I filled them each with star sand and partway shook them up on the counter with some star sand in them so I could shake them up some right before I fill. So that that's happening. And I get madder and madder. This is like seven o'clock. So this is like 7 a.m. like last Thursday. This is like less than a week ago. Wow. I'm and I'm it was a very busy week. I'm like, I've got to bottle this this stuff now 
or it's not going to carbonate or anything before I, I get it to the show. So it's like 7 a.m. And I'm just I, I'm flipping out because the, 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 the siphon won't work. So I'm like, OK, my plan had been to use the auto siphon, fill up a pitcher and then use the pitcher to pour that into the individual bottles. <laughs> I, and, I, and I have a I have a funnel that kind of kind of matches. It's, a, it, it's not small enough to go in the bottle, but it kind of matches the diameter of the opening. So, yeah, this th- yeah, th- this is just horrible. And again, I don't want to buy a bottling bucket because I'm not that's what I don't want to waste that money. Right. I'm, I'm going to start kegging again. They're at some expensive. Point. They're like 15 bucks. I know. Well, I, they are. They're still, expensive as shit. Well, I know yeah. that that's it's, it's 15 for I don't want to spend. You know, I don't want to go out and spend all this money for stuff. I don't know. I'm never going to use again. The, the auto siphon right. I would use again. I just didn't think about that. Having the, the seals that weren't working. Right. So I end up in, in sheer and utter frustration. I take the corny keg. I star sand like the handles, the one of the handles. I grab the other handle and I pour the beer through the handle that I've star sand into the pitcher and then take the pitcher and fill you know, dump the star sand out of these bottles and fill it up like <laughs> Hell yeah. if, if, for those of you listening on the pod and not watching JP is, I think he, he's just kind of beside himself right now hearing this nonsense. And I use those, those fermentation drops, those like Munton's fermentation oh drop things. God, suddenly it's and 1998 I, all over I know. for Brian. I, I somehow I've never used these before. I somehow found a bag of these at more beer conquered, you know, over by like the weird they do work. Uh, I will they, say they do. that. Yeah. I, they, I, they, put, I put two like, in each. Yeah. They're like cough drops. They're like yeah. cough drops. Yeah. I put two in each bottle, which is what the instruction said, which is probably why I'm the most carbonated. And I'm surprised after six days, it's it's carbonated like this. It still has, this has been sitting at, it still has a nice little ring yeah. around it. Like it is very well carbonated. Yeah. My, mine still has a, a head and I have my, my thing. You can see my USS Cerritos uh, uh, thing for the, uh, on my glass, but yeah, it's hilarious. I, you know, I, I'm shocked. I thought this would be, I smelled it coming out of that keg and it smelled good. It didn't smell. I, I was thinking with all the stuff that it had, it'd been sitting in that fridge. God knows how long with the fridge being off. And it being like 90, 100 degrees here during the day, uh, I'm thinking that there's no way this isn't ruined. And the fact that it's still like a 30 is kind of a testament to things like star sand. I'm not just got this blowing smoke up our sponsor's butt here. I mean, the stuff like the, the things like star sand, yeah. things like the kind of ingredients we can get, the kind of yeast we can get compared to what you get in 1993. I mean, 1993, you were lucky to get a package of dry yeast that wasn't all dead. It was all Nottingham, too. Yeah, like, right. pretty, pretty much. Cool. So that, that was my that was my packaging day. So yeah. <laughs> it was it was entertaining, but it got the job done. And frankly, I'm I'm pleased that it gets me to like, you know, a thirty. It's not perfect, but it's not total ass either. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I picked it up on uh, Sunday, and mm-hmm. it, you'd only been doing it since Thursday, so that's like yeah. four days, and then it went right yeah. into my fridge since then. So, and here yeah. we are, Wednesday. Uh, I'm hearing a little echo of myself there. Oh, yeah, me too. But that—that's why I—I I, I had my kids. They—they uh, they very kindly Sunday morning put this stuff in a cooler and put it out in the, in the, the out front of my house. But I left it out on like a a, a top, like a bar top here at home to in, in normal normal temperature, so it would have like hopefully two three days to try to carbonate. 
And you know, I guess I guess his fermentation drops actually work pretty well. Who, who knows? Yeah, no, they they work. Yeah. They work great. Very good. Uh, you want to read mine? Okay. You want to do mine? Let's do that. On to the the growlette. The star of the show is what you mean. Is yeah. <laughs> All right. This one. I'm uh, honestly, I I I've always said about myself, I can't do pale beers. And I can't do lagers. And wow. like anything darker than a pale ale, I, I can't. I, there's no way. I can't do it. But apparently this, this beer, I, yeah. I know I did an amazing, honestly, I did an amazing job. I'm pretty much the best home brewer that's ever lived. So, so yeah. I'm actually going to write into the HA to have them retroactively award me some, some medals. <laughs> so you're, you're, um, home brewer, you're home brewer of the year then? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Open the mini mini growler. Uh, couldn't really see the the fill level on that, so whatever. Check the box. Yeah, it was uh, hard. In, in the nose, fresh smelling grainy malt, the light clean corn behind it. Well executed lager fermentation. Apparent no obvious esters or DMS diacetyl, etc. There's a faint spicy floral hop here. Really comes through nicely, uh, but it's clean and light overall. Uh, really pleasant aroma. I gave it a ten out of twelve there. Appearance light, lightish yellow color with good clarity. A fine white head that fades to a collar after a short while, but that's okay for the style. It can fade fairly quickly. Uh, mainly fine bubbles there. Uh, three out of three for appearance. In the flavor, a clean grainy malt with low pleasant notes of corn, medium low bitterness. Seems very well attenuated. Um, a little of the light. White bread and white cracker like quality does come through too. Okay. Uh, the hops are low, spicy, and floral. The balance is mainly to the malt, but the hops balance it out nicely. Uh, so it's light overall, but flavorful uh, for a smaller beer, especially. Uh, I'm not getting any DMS or diacetyl. Again, just a clean lager character, a light grainy corn uh, with a flash of hops as in the aftertaste as it kind of dries off the tongue. And that's what you get. Just, you know, real refreshing beer. And that kind of carries into the mouthfeel. It's really crisp, has a nice uh, little low carbonic bite, which can can be in the style too. There's no astringency, not really creamy or anything like that. Uh, I'd say medium carbonation level. That's, you know, that's okay. Uh, well, probably want a little bit more carbonated for the style. Uh, refreshing, very easily drinkable, even when it's quite cold. And it's really cold coming out of this insulated little, little half growler. Nice. Uh, but it's not too biting. Just say medium light body, kind of right where it should be. Uh, overall, it's a uh, four out of five for mouthfeel. Overall, very clean drinking Mexican lager. Nice use of ingredients and great lagering technique. I enjoy the modest complexity of malt and the pleasant light, pleasant light hop that comes in. Uh, in such a summary, light, you know, lawnmower beer. Um, you could clarify it just a touch better, perhaps uh, add just a little bit more corn as this isn't quite coming through as much as I might like it to. But really? it's really nice. Uh, I thought really it was nice too as much. It I was, I was a little much. concerned that it would be too much. And I think okay. over, over time, over the what month or whatever it's been in the keg, it, the corn has backed off a little bit. Which I was a little surprised about as well. Well, I'm tasting it really cold too. This thing, it mm-hmm. just the growler just keeps it super, super yeah. chilled. No, so I mean, as it warms, I'll taste it again. But okay. I let it out of forty for this beer. I thought it was wow. it was excellent. Nice. It is excellent. Well oh, done. Yeah. Thanks. 
Yeah, I was um, I was concerned yeah. that it was too much corn at first, but I loved it. And that's what I think a Mexican lager should I mean, not should be, but I don't know. If you're brewing with corn, that's what we were talking about doing the recipe. It's like if you're gonna brew with a uh, fucking corn, brew with corn. Just yeah, do it. it's gotta be something you can taste. And I yeah. think that's as it warms up, that's what I'm tasting at the beginning is just a lot of corn, which mm-hmm. I, I actually like. Me too. I like it. I think it's good. But it's know. not a sweet it's pretty... corn. It's like a dry, you know, the dryness with the corn plays it a little differently. So yeah, I'm kind of interested in that way. I think we made a good recipe. Char, what do you want to do? You want to go through, uh, you want to hit Cooper's? Well, um, oh, did you, you do a sheet for, did you do a sheet for JP's or no? I, I didn't do a score sheet for our beers for this show. Okay. Okay. Uh, why don't you give, uh, give, give me a score and then run through Cooper's because I don't need details on my beer, but let's talk about Cooper's maybe more in depth <laughs> too, because, because his is the most kind of interesting with that, that Louis Vuitton yeast or whatever it was. Lucha Kvike. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I, Louis Vuitton is easier to say. Yeah, yeah. it really is. It's the most expensive yeast there is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but is it good? Well, I don't know, but it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It that's must be good. It, yeah. It, it comes in its own designer handbag. A that's lot right. of people claim to like it. <laughs> Tell you what, let's take it. Let's take it before you do that, Char. Sorry, let's take a quick okay. break. It's a good we'll idea. Take our final break. We're going to come back um, and then, um, and then we'll, we'll go through my beer and Cooper's beer. And that's, I guess that's it. We're done. Yeah. Cool. So hang on, everyone. It's Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging on. 
We are going to be chatting about uh, Brian Cooper's beer and my beer a little bit, but mainly Brian Cooper's beer because I think that's the most interesting, to be honest. But, uh, Char, go ahead and give me my laurels, please. Uh, well, uh, of course. Well, prepare to be laureled. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I really like this beer. Uh, that that's, It's weird. You, you can tell a beer is good when, when it warms up, it gets better. And this, oh. I think, gets better as it warms up. There, the I, I love the corn. When it was colder, I was perceiving that as some kind of off flavor or a part of some kind of off flavor. But it's as it warms up, I, it's more apparently corn, which is good. It's an ingredient in this style. And it's, you know, Cooper said something that kind of made me think about this. It, it tastes a little more that the corn character isn't like cornmeal or popcorn uh, or even like corn on the cob. It's more like corn that's a little bit dried, if that makes sense. Yes. Right. There's a. There's not like you're eating, you know, eating, chewing on some old, dry, hard corn kernels, but, you know, corn gets a little bit dried out and there's a flavor to it. And it's a, it's a little bit more concentrated, I think, because the, some of the moisture is gone. Like and it's a, a roasted little, corn kind of an aspect. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. yeah. It, it, you know, it kind of maybe toward that that end of the spectrum. Exactly. Without um, being burnt or yeah, it, exactly. super. Uh, yeah, yeah. Burnt, burnt or, or too color, Without, dark, dark color. <laughs> That kind, yeah, of kind of subtract the roast out of that, but I, I, I get what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. There's no really no off flavors or off aromas. Um, maybe a little more carbonation would be nice. Uh, you know, a Mexican lager. It's funny. I had a at a Pacifico last week, and Pacifico is one of my one of my favorites. You know, it, it was one of my favorites. You know, 30 years ago, it's it's still a, a real solid beer. It, it's tasty. There's there's not a lot to it, like any international pale lager, you know, category 2A beer, but there is something to it that is, and part of it's the corn, and just part of it is the, there's a little bit more flavor in a Mexican lager than in just a standard international pale. And that's that's the character that I think is why, uh, the, the reason these beers are so popular in the U.S., it's not just because of you know, the, the Latino population in the United States, it's because they're tasty beers and people like them, you know, no matter your ethnicity or where you're living, because they're there's a little bit more to them than like your standard standard lager offering in a lot of ways. And I think this this beer really has a lot of that um, a little bit more. Again, this has been sitting in my glass for a while, but a little more carbonation will be good. But no, no off flavors, no off aromas. Yeah, I, I would agree with Coop and given this, you know, 40 ish, you know, high 30s, nice. high 30s, 40 high 30s. I liked 40 better. Yeah. For, but this is this is one where, uh, you know, car, again, carbonation, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the medium high carbonation would really elevate this to a definite 40 plus. It's uh, yeah. And, you know, my struggles with that. I've always that that's the other thing I can't really do is carbonate the beer properly. Um like I just gotta, poured this out of my out of my cooler or out of my kegerator, and it's like the head is already sort of dying. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even. Though I took like a draft uh, course, you know, like a planning mm -hmm. course. Yeah. Um, for commercial systems, I can set them up, but for for mine, I just I think I'm coming back to that. I don't care anymore. Like you gotta try those <laughs> carbonation drops, man. Apparently, the drops yeah. is where it's at. You know, but you know what I mean. Like these are the subtle. These are the little things that I used to like sort of stress out about, and I used to go. I'm not a good home brewer because I can't put a bow on my package, right? I can't, I can't wrap it up with 
nicely with high carbonation. Well, you good could put a bow on your package if you wanted to. <laughs> I do. I mean, it was but our anniversary it yesterday. Yeah. Um, okay. But you know what I mean? It's those kind of things where like, I, I realize as I get older, it's like, I don't really fucking give a shit. Does the beer taste good? Sure. Is it, is it a little bit undercarbonated? Yeah, but I don't, I don't care enough. I don't care enough to put my efforts into changing it or to stress out about it. I like, I, I'm at the, the point in my brewing career where I just like the act of brewing and everything else yeah. is fucking secondary. It's the Charlie Capazian thing, right? <laughs> Relax. Yeah, but, but less don't worry. like, you know, but less, hit, less, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, so someone out there, maybe one of our listeners packaging might be their favorite thing for, for 99.999% of home brewers. I'm sure I, I bet commercial brewers too. Packaging is their least favorite part of the process, yeah. but it's, it's, it's important, but it's also, you know, what you say, JP, I'll, you know, this is my, you know, my cloudy 30 point, you know, <laughs> you know Jakey ass Mexican lager that's drinkable. You know what? It's, maybe time in our lives or we should just be thinking about, you know, we made something that was drinkable and it's not bad. Okay. And you know, we, we did our best with what we had available to us. We're not saving we, lives. No, we're, we're no, no one's going to, no one's going to die or not die because they drank yeah. or didn't drink this. Well, and you know, we had, we had fun doing it and we're talking about it. We're having a good time. Yeah. And for the Coopers out there who might be listening, um, it's okay to like, you know, obsess over certain things or like yeah. focus on certain things and get detailed because that's the beauty about homebrewing. Yeah. And this is the thing I've always said since working uh, at more beards, you can get as detailed as you want. Yeah. You don't have to, to be successful. You don't have to be hyper-focused on the weirdest shit. You can literally yes. take a spaghetti pot and a, a fucking the rich man's Dutch oven and um <laughs> and make beer that's drinkable sure there are flaws but it's still drinkable beer but in and if that's good for you if you can't taste that then you can just do that you do not I, need yeah. to be hyper absorbed and stuff but also if you want to be this hobby yeah. allows you to do that it's one of the only hobbies i can really think of that allows you to go as in-depth as you want to do it yeah and, and still be successful at any level you can approach this hobby from so many directions. There's people who are like super into making equipment and systems and really into that aspect of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mechanically engineer the shit out of the system. Yeah. And they, they love that stuff. There's people that are all about recipe design. There's people that are all about different aspects of, of this hobby. And that's, that's one of the great things about it. You can kind of pick what you like to do and just do it and not worry about the other stuff so much. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, in the going into home brewing, in the early 2000s, I got, you know, I saw the where people had started and they went from very simple to more complicated setups and the beer got better. Maybe the ingredients also got better. A lot of other things from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s to the aughts when I started brewing. And then, so I just felt like, well, I have to, you know, get more and try to do more. I need to get, you know, temperature control. Of course, that was a plus for me. I need to get you know, this and that, something else, but the more you get, it doesn't necessarily make your beer better. Right and now. I've gone, I've gone to a point where it got a little less enjoyable to brew because I had to focus on all those things. And now I've come back around a little bit more to the, you know, I used to always make a yeast starter and my Erlenmeyer flask and my stir plate is a piece of crap and the little stir bar would fall off all the time. I'd be cursing at it. And I'd be just like not having fun. And then, you know, like Denny and Drew, the simple homebrewing guys, they come along and it's like, just get some proper. We have proper now. Get a bottle of water, mix it together, <laughs> dump yeast in there, shake, start it, and forget it, and just go yep. brew. That made my life so much easier because I don't that 
can't tell you the last time I used that start play. It was probably yeah. seven years ago now. Yeah. I just, it, it sits in my garage. I should just get rid of it. And you know, some, something to be said for, it's not that great. I should just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually like a hard drive magnet that somebody rigged up for me on a computer fan. Man, I have I have a, a stir plate that that I forget the I forget the dude's name. Back in the days, like the BN form, this is years ago, right? Super dude, nice guy. I forget yeah. his name. He he put a stir plate together in the body of an old NES, mm-hmm. an old oh, Nintendo, wow. and I was like, "Dog, That's I, cool. need, I need cool. one of those." And he made one. And I have it, but I couldn't get the fucking stir bar to stay on it, and so I've never used it. Yeah, I have it somewhere. <laughs> it's like. But it's cool. Anyway, um, I, okay. I, I have a stir plate that I still have. It's it's like five pounds. It's about the size of a laptop. It's not very, it's just really heavy. And I used to work at this medical device company and we had like a internal garage sale, like 2005 to just oh, get man. rid of old junk that was sitting around. <laughs> and I, the stir plate, I looked it up once. It was like, it's like five, $600 new. Jeez. And we, we, it was just, we didn't need it anymore. And I bought it for $10. <laughs> at like our internal company auction. And this thing, I could I, I haven't used it in years. I could probably go plug it in right this second and it would work. Yeah. yeah. At that point, just give it to you. Um yeah, pretty yeah, much. You know what I mean? So, uh, so let's okay. talk let's about Cooper's Cooper's yes. uh Kavike here. Let's do His that. Mexi- we're, Mexican we're Kavike. Running up against the time, and uh he also has a dry hop version too. So we'll gotta kinda condense everything into one because we and I'm gonna so I have a couple of mine. surprise. Yeah, I have like two surprise beers that I can really just for a second talk about. Because uh, you guys don't have them, you know. I, Cooper's is really well attenuated, which you'd expect for a, a Kvike, sure. which you're fermenting at temperature, at a higher temperature, and you forget done fermenting in a day or two. Yeah, you expect that, but it doesn't have any of the fusels, and that, that's one of the great things about the Kvike yeast. You you push a normal cerevisiae uh, uh, yeast up to ninety degrees, and it's going to taste like ass when it's done. It's all higher alcohols and fusels and nonsense. There's none of that yeah. here. I didn't go all the way to 90 on this. I kind of went midway, up, like, you know, between yeah. its range of fermentation around 78. So, yeah. But it, it yeah, finished at 1014. It was, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not super dry to me either, but it's, it's fairly well attenuated. But yeah, 1014, it finished and it, it did go quick, but it, it stopped to left a little bit of, of body in there. So I like that. This is a 1014 finish. Yeah. Wow. Unless it that, went down a little more since, but I had, I was going on a vacation and I, I just stopped it up and put it in my fridge. Cause I was just, I had to, <laughs> it was done bubbling for days and I, it maybe was still doing a little something. I don't know, but I put it in the fridge, checked the gravity when I got home from my vacation days later and it was 10, 14. Like, well, oh, this, this, goes to what, this goes to what Jamil always says, which is, you can measure the final gravity all you want, but your perceived final gravity isn't always locked in with consistency with what the actual final gravity is. Is this this comes across to me like a much? And I don't think any. I, I don't think anything's happened to it in the bottle. You know, it wasn't yeah. a gusher or anything weird. I think it's just it. It tastes really well attenuated for being a ten fourteen. Well, it's also on the lighter end for style. It's on the more like the four percent, three point nine percent kind of territory. So it's very low. You know, it's a low alcohol beer to start with, but it's even light yeah. for the style. So I'm glad yeah, I didn't and, go to light lager and just get too dry because it would have been weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this 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 could use a little more carbonation, kind of like JP's. Again, we've talked at length about. I won't won't you know uh, opine more about packaging at this point. 
it, it does have, I, I think I, I heard JP earlier in the show talk about something having like a Flintstones vitamin character. And there's a little bit of that kind of, you know, lactic-y. Lactic is even too strong of a word. It's, right. it's, not, it's not a lactic acid, but there's kind of that, that slightly fruity, slightly citrus, slightly acidic that a Flintstones vitamin captures. I mean, imagine if you diluted a Flintstones vitamin down some. <laughs> that's yeah. that's kind, of the, kind of the flavor. That maybe, I don't know if it, you know, sometimes the vitamin like flavor can come from nutrient. I did use a little, like a half tab of servomyces in a two and a half gallon batch. Well, I've been yeah, using that lately. Nah. To, to clarify, it, it, it's not the, the, the chalky vitamin ness, it's that fruity, it's, yes. the, it's the, the hard to pinpoint fruit punchy, fruity thing. Uh, that, with a, with that was a, with more accentuated a, in the yeah. dry hop version. That's with a hint of acidity. Yeah, yeah and that's why I was like, acid, it's kind of tart, but it's not tart. Yeah, it's not yeah. tart, but it's, but you, you know, it's like, is it or is it not? I have no idea. Yeah. It's right yeah, in the it, line. It's not tart like you've added lactic. Right. It's just that little hint of like maybe lactic light, maybe, mm. that is, which you, you get with a lot of, of Kvike yeast, which is not, you know, these are not sour beer yeasts, but there is that hint of sour that they throw that, in some styles, you don't notice, but in something as light as a Mexican lager, you know, a, a you know two A international pale lagerish beer, you know, any any little thing like that is going to show up. I think pretty, it's going to show up in some way, yeah. and it's I think a testament to how good the rest of your process was that everything was clean enough that that little bit, that little hint of acidic showed up. Overall. I'd probably give this high thirties, maybe a little bit behind JP's, but not far. I feel insulted by that. <laughs> You're so wildly different from mine. Uh, he's I, just would a give, nice guy. I would. I would. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I would give yeah. it a. I would give it a third. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. It's not a Mexican lager. It doesn't meet the style guidelines, right? It's like fruity. It's kind of thin. It's not yeah. carbonated. Like. 25 you know what i mean like i feel like it's it shouldn't even be in the 30s because it doesn't taste like a mexican lager well that that's a good point okay it's it's very well, clean but cooper's sad right now um, no i'm looking at my here. notes you oh, guys yeah. um i did add a bit of lactic acid to the water just to acidify it to a good ph oh. for such a light grain bill um maybe five, uh, five milliliters in in my you know three gallons or whatever water just very, very conservative, but I wanted to acidify it just slightly. And yeah, I only used a little spring water um, and some of our home water, but mostly distilled water. So that's why I think it doesn't have that. And I probably should have put some more like some, you know, a little bit of gypsum or something in there to give it a little bit of an edge to accent the, the hop because that is kind of what's missing from this. And I think that would come up to meet that that. gentle you know, mm. fruitiness, that, yeah. the maltiness that's in there and give um, it a little bit more of a, a crispness, a bite. Yeah. Kind of not bite, sharp bite, but a, you know, a, a little attack along with the carbonics. Like, okay. Let's talk about your dry hop version. What did you dry hop with? Because that, that's what I was commenting on that, that Flintstones vitamin kind of aroma. Yeah. So I poured two. Um, yeah. I think I poured a, a gallon of it off when I was transferring into a small little one gallon growler that I have or one and a half, whatever it is. And I, um, I've had a couple packs of 
hops I just gotten from, you know, NHC or whatever. I had a one ounce pack of lemon drop and a one ounce oh, wow. pack of Zamba sample size just for fun. Oh, wow. Hmm. And uh, just put it in these because I kind of like the dry hopped lagers lately. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that was going on with this beer, so I put it into a, a, a 300 micron like hop screen that went into the, the keg that it was living in. Uh, and I tasted it, you know, five, six days later. It wasn't very hoppy. So I just left it in there, didn't pull it out. Left it in there until I pretty much bottled it for you guys. Um, so this is probably very overhopped, and somewhere in the middle was probably when it's better because to me it's getting very grassy and kind of weird. But it was also I was having trouble clarifying it. And I had a lot of trouble with the Kovikis clarifying my main batch, and it was insane to get this thing. And I, I there's the thing really? I was worried about, and right now it's perfectly clear. So it's like, what was I worried about? I, like actually, I think clarified <laughs> sitting in the bottles because it was probably still the biofine that was in there, but I hit it with a pretty heavy dose of biofine, like, you know, almost, uh, you know, probably like three fourths of a tablespoon at first, just to see, okay, it's a little cloudy, nothing. Then I thought, okay, I added another tablespoon. I thought to that keg, but I might've added it to the dry hop keg. Cause that one's also really clear. Uh, and then it was, it was the same when I looked at my main beer again, the next time. So I added a, a full tablespoon. I thought again, maybe again, Still not quite clear. So like two days before I bottled it for you guys, and maybe that's why the carbonation is also a little low. I kept opening it up, but I put in a whole nother tablespoon, which is enough. It should knock a five gallon batch down. And so it wasn't doing it, but when I bottled, it was finally clear enough. I can say, okay, that's passable lager, but it's not crystal clear. How do you, how do you use that? Because I I have some of that too. And I, I think I just end up, I've done, I've done it two ways. One, I just add it to the fermenter. Yeah. And then um and then leave it alone. And then the other way is I add it to the fermenter and then shake it up. Right. So um I add it to normally when I when I do it, ideally I add it to secondary before it's um carbonated and kind of gently swirl the the keg or carboy that it's in okay. to get that stuff kind of blended in and then it settles out and pulls everything through. Okay. Um in this case, I I did that. But and then but then it got carbonated and I was doing it on the carbonated beer, which I think doesn't work as well for some reason. I don't know why, but it's just. Uh, but I did also kind of gently swirl it and re, you know, repurge the top of the headspace and yeah. did what you're supposed to do. But okay. at least I didn't get a ton of oxidation in it. I'm happy about that from all that yeah. mucking around with my beer. Yeah. Same with Shars too. I mean, really. Yeah, a little you, more oxidized. You know, this this dry hop beer tastes a lot different than the base beer yeah. and in not not in a bad way tastes tastes really good and i i think that the uh the dry hopping kind of when there's a little light acid in that the base beer i mean i mean it's, it's a very low level of, of of acidity that i'm kind of trying to find to pick out and the dry hopping just that that goes away i mean the dry hopping either covers it up or transforms that accents or it does accents it and it seems much more like it's supposed to be there with the dry hops than without. Cool. Awesome. Again, it was probably like 14, 15 days of dry hop just sitting in there yeah. in the one gallon batch with two ounces in like a gallon. Jeez. It's just like, yeah, insane, <laughs> insane amount of hops. Yeah. I mean, they were both interesting beers. Um, I just, I don't really feel like they were Mexican lagers. Are you yeah. going to use that yeast again? What did you think about it? You please you know, with it. I thought it was a neat trick and you know, one of the best 
American light lagers I had was one that I tasted at a best of show in a competition that was made with yeah. blue tree yeast. So it was something that yeah. I wanted to try. I don't know that I know how to use it the best way yet. And there are some other things that I could tweak with this beer to make it better. Uh, are you going to? I don't drink I a lot like of Mexican. Might. I don't know. I, you know, actually, okay. I, I've actually got another half of the, but it's already milled and stuff. It's been milled for, you know, a couple months or so since we were at the store. So it might yeah. be slack. Probably yeah. not good. Okay. Yeah. But I have it. I could brew the rest of it and just do something different. I don't I know. I mean, but, I don't know. Will I use the Lutra again? Sure. Why not? It's fine. Yeah. Maybe I'll make a, a hard seltzer someday just to, just to be a dumbass. <laughs> you know what? That's I a mean, great idea could, with that. Yeah. Those, with the, with the way that's throwing like a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of fruit. Yeah. A little yeah. citrus. Usually yeah. could. Yeah. All right. We're going to yeah. get out of here, everybody. Uh, Thank okay. you very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. We're done. Right. Like, I don't want to, yeah, I mean, I, I could I could drink my Star Sand beer or my True beer for you guys in like two no, seconds. No, no, I don't want to do because that because I I made no, no. when I said I I had little Star Sand in those bottles. I had like about this much in one, and then I filled it up, and then I realized, oh fuck, <laughs> I, uh, I just I it's not a little bit of Star Sand. I had like a couple of ounces of Star Sand in there. No, I, I just I'm not going to give that to you guys or, or drink it. We'll, yeah. we'll let yeah. you do that on your own time. But if people yeah. want to send right. us uh, beer, preferably not with a Star Sand in it. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, use the star sand first, but you want to email, <laughs> uh, then dump it out. Make, you know, the phone, yeah. don't worry about the phone. Yeah. Email Brian at the brewing network.com, Brian with an I, and send us what you got. Let us know what you're looking to improve or change or, or get a, you know, better score in a competition, whatever it is. Yeah. And we'll help you out with it. Beer, mead, cider, what have you. Whatever you want, brother. Hard kombucha, whatever. Yeah. We'll take it. Soft yeah. kombucha. I don't give a shit. Um, all right, everyone, until next time.